Hi and welcome everyone to the 101st episode of CRM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about product operations. And with me today I have Antti Pajunen from Forward Forever. Antti is a product operations enthusiast and a CRM guy at heart. Antti loves giving back to the community. Welcome Antti Pajunen. Thank you Marcus, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Was that a good pronunciation of your name? That that's good. Yeah, that's good. I usually start my presentations that I have in 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 conferences with with you know pronouncing my name and just telling people, don't worry, the burden of pronouncing my name is on me, not on not not on the audience. So that was good. That was good. Nice. So as a enthusiast and a serum guy at heart, or sorry, a product operation enthusiast, what is it that you do? Yeah, that's a good that that's a good Good question. So, I mean, I guess the reality is is sort of jack of all all trades sometimes, uh, or so it feels. But kind of in a nutshell, I I, I really I, I help people govern our platform better. So that's what that, that's what we do at Forward Forever is we help customers better cover, govern our platform and and the angle that I have in, in project operations is something that you know I've really had since I. I changed industries and started with with dynamics about five years ago uh, I started with, with with what's known as project service automation which which is now a, you know it has evolved into project operations and that's sort of my love and my go-to application in the platform and I just really try to be as up to date with that as as possible and and if I get opportunities around around projects to do project operations you know I try to architect and, and help customers out with that. So uh, so it's it's really a combination of, of helping people govern the platform and, and then, you know, help people with their project operations needs as well. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? Uh, yeah, that's um that's a good question. So I was I was changing I think the last the last one is I was changing tires. And you know I, I've bought that as a service for I don't know, fifteen years probably. So I went to the tire shop to change my tires, and and um, I told them that you know thanks, but I actually I'm going to take my uh, take my winter tires with me that I'm changing my my car. I'm, I'm changing my car, so I'm going to take my tires with me, and then you know we'll we'll kind of see how it plays out when I have have my new ride if I'm going to bring my you know new wheels in or not, and. That company's always had good service. There is no denying that. It's you know, it's its price point has been good, service has been good. But I've I've been a customer at that place for at least ten years. So I was kind of expecting at least a thank you. You know, thanks for thanks for giving us your uh your your what two hundred two hundred and forty euros a year for ten years for being our customer. But I didn't get a thank you. And naturally didn't didn't raise an issue out of that. Why would I? But I I was a bit disappointed at that. So I think that's my latest that's my latest experience. Always thank your customers, no matter how big or small. Yeah, it's important to feel gratitude because they put money on the uh, or sorry food on the table for most of us. Yeah, exactly. So project operations, as you said, it's gone through some upper, some iterations here, and the last one was product service automation, and now it's just product operations. So, what is it today? Yeah, that's a really good question, and 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 
the answer to that is, wow, I mean, we have about an hour. The answer to that could be, could be <laughs> yeah. several several days long, I guess. Uh, so in, in a nutshell, really, you know, the platform has evolved at a tremendous pace, I'd say, the past couple of years. And what we used to know as Dynamics 365 Project Service Automation, which was launched in 2016, uh, has really evolved into a new offering called Project Operations. And behind the scenes, there's been all sorts of shifts. And what that really is today is is it's an evolution of several different things. So it's an evolution of project service automation on Dataverse. So that Dataverse side uh, has re- remained pretty much the same. Some nuances have changed. And then what we've really gotten in as well into this new you know, best of breed project management and, and professional services application is what we know as project for the web for project planning. And the interesting thing here is that this is really, I would say, in my opinion, the first genuine platform play and a genuine platform application by Microsoft. So it's it's also gotten elements from, from Dynamics 365 finance uh, slash finance and operations, whichever you want to call it. And, and and what's it gotten from there is is that project management and accounting module. So it's actually a combination, combination of three different products built into a single application and a single offering running on Dynamics. How new would you say that project operations is today then? Project operations is very new. So I think it went GA. Uh, I think pro- the GA of project operations was in... October was it October first last year? I think it was October. So only about what five or so months? Yeah. So October of twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. October twenty twenty. Yeah. So it's very, in that sense, very new. Then if we look at the individual components, you know, project for the web has been around for you know that's pretty new as well for one and a half years. Uh, PSA since two thousand sixteen. And project management and accounting and FNO. I, I'm not an FNO person, so I wouldn't. Need, but it's that's that's I think has the longest history. Yeah. So, what would you say are the sort of the core capabilities of project operations today? Then, so I'd say that it's really for for project centric organizations, organizations do that do do projects, uh, managing that entire end to end project from a process from or end-to-end processes in plural maybe from prospecting to you know sales to delivering projects to actually invoicing projects so it is it's a genuine erp application and, and really it's it's at its core it's best for professional services but i know that you know industries like construction industries and those uh sorts of industries and companies have already also used the, the, the FNO capabilities in, in the past, but it's really for you know consultants and consultancies. It's it's for really managing their end-to-end processes and their professional services business. So if you open up the marketing pages of this, it says that it has like management experiences, drive through the enhanced project management capabilities, optimize your resources, simplify tracking and expense management. Do you feel that it's it's any good? Have you used it yourself? So I, I think that genuinely I do believe that project operations is is a is a good fit 
for consultant companies and professional services companies, you know, like law firms and Microsoft partners doing consult consulting and so on and so on. That's the, 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 the most implementations that I have done have been purely for professional services. And I do genuinely think that it's, it's a good fit for such industries. I mean, there's always that, you know, that decision, you know, which is more flexible, the application or, or a company's process. And the way we do things in project operations is to some extent a bit fixed. Uh, you know, that's how it is in, in, in a lot of dynamics first party applications. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a good fit for, 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 for consulting business to run for their processes. Okay, so you say it's a bit fixed in what way that you have to work with the project in a certain way or you have to report in a certain way because that's how the product wants to act on yeah so so i i think that the the core of that is in for for example like you said how how to run your how to run your projects you know it, it does use project for the web so the capabilities that we have around managing projects are, are natively from project for the web and there's really no way to bend that beyond what project for the web does and then if we look at kind of the overall process and the logic in how the application works there's really a a a a pretty fixed high level process of how we move things so we have our sales process which is very similar to you know core sales and dynamics our our leads opportunities quotes and orders and and then we you know kind of hop over to managing projects and resourcing projects so it is a first party application and with that it it's you know has those certain constraints to how it is built so it's not something that we can take as XRM or vanilla data version, just do anything with it. So I think that's more more of the angle that, that I'm uh, trying to convey. So one part of it is project for web, and you mentioned several times there. So let's go into that a little bit. So it's not like Planner, and it's not like Microsoft product. It's somewhere in between, right? So right. what is that project for the web then that it comes from? Yeah, that's and that's this is always an interesting interesting topic and you, you know you mentioned planner and you mentioned Microsoft project and and if we and you know and where does project for the web fit and that's actually sometimes it, it it's it's a bit hard to explain to be very honest because if we look at planner planner is really for for I would say you know for for teams to organize light work, right you know some yeah, light tasks and yeah, yeah very very yeah. simple and, and light work and and you know no dependencies really between tasks and then Microsoft Project on the other hand that's that thirty is it thirty eight years old or what thirty plus years of deep dive features and capabilities you can do so much you know wick, wicked stuff with that. Uh, and really for like hard hardcore project managers right and and then you know, what's 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 in between so project for the web is really it's kind of a, a a mixture of those two going more to the planner side so i think officially uh, and and you know don't quote me on this <laughs> but i think that like like officially the definition is is that it's built for 
accidental project manager. So people who really are, you know, not like not professional project managers for, so maybe, you know, maybe I could be an example of, of something like that. I, I'm not a project manager. Definitely. I'm, I'm definitely not a project manager, but maybe I'm thrown into a situation where I do have to manage a small scale small scale project. So I might be an accidental project manager and I, I might need a tool for that. And planner might not be enough. Uh, you know, I, I need to visualize some task dependencies, properly allocate resources on my task and so on. So project for the web would be a tool for, 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 for me. And actually an interesting part in this is, you know, we, we've been sort of brainstorming at our company for forever uh, different, you know, governance angles, and 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 one interesting angle to this is companies who are, you know, getting into power platform governance. You know, they're taking their their first baby steps for that, managing their governance work and and, and different tasks around governance could be something that 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 could be done with Project for the Web. So maybe you know Azure DevOps and Jira and those things are you know, too robust and, and too much for those initial baby steps and planner is too light, but project for the web might be, you know, a good fit for something like that for you. And project for the web that was actually built on the power platform from the get go, right? So that right. is based on the dataverse or common data service as we used to call it. Right, Ex- exactly. And that's, and, and that is, that's, you know, again, an, an interesting kind of extension to that that topic it's it's built on power platform so it runs on dataverse when you're having your applications on dataverse and you're thinking of of you know your governance governance strategies it kind of makes sense to you know run your governance partly on something that already runs on that platform and so that's p- perhaps to the key importance here when you then take that into product operations because then it's built on the same platform because I think Planner and probably Microsoft's product, it's sort of built on different platforms. So then it would be more of an effort from Microsoft's side to incorporate that into this bigger pro- application, Microsoft's uh, no, sorry, product operations. Yes, de- definitely, definitely. And, and that's part of the part of the reason I think why they you know replatformed it they they realized that the the office team that that has planner and and project online for that SharePoint based that SharePoint based application for uh portfolio management they sort of realized that hey the the market has a need for for a tool for accidental PMs and then the project operations previously the PSA team realized that they need more robust project management capabilities that they than what they have and had hard coded in PSA. So they actually ended up developing project for the web together. So it's a joint IP of two different product teams, Office and, and, and PSA, now project operations at Microsoft. So then we've talked a little bit about here that there are parts in like the finance and operations side, there are parts in then the dataverse, they sort of common data service part but from a marketing perspective it's just one big application but from a technical side they're fairly different so how does that work then yeah they they indeed are so the overall story is genuinely a platform play story so, and and we're we're definitely moving towards towards that at at a pretty incredible pace to be honest so 
Dynamics 365 is really converging into a, a single, genuine single thing. That, that, that's, that's the end, definitely the direction that we're seeing. And project operations is actually one of those, I think it's probably the first step in a genuine single platform application. Uh, and if we think of just, you know, two, three years ago, someone would have said, hey, hey you know, you have something on then, C- which was then called CDS and something on FNO. And, you know, let's make these two things work together. You'd be thinking, oh, you know what? So how, you know, how am I going to do that? Should I use, you know, some of those prospect cache integrations or, or build a customer integration or what should I do? So in the past couple of years, what we've seen is, is a, is a new, I don't know if it's a feature or functionality, whichever called dual write. And that's, that's actually, well, technology might be the, the, the accurate. So that's actually technology that a technology that seamlessly puts these two platforms together. So Dataverse, previously known as CDS, and then Finance and Operations, it really, it, 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 it integrates these two platforms into a uh, single homogenous platform, one could say. And that's really what Project Operations leverages and, and, and Project Operations is, I think it is the first genuine application that has parts on Dataverse and has parts on finance and operations. However, those two are natively integrated with Write. So there is a seamless connection between those two for how data moves from, you know, from Dataverse to FNO and from FNO to Dataverse. So that means that part of the application and setting it up has to be sort of configuring this this dual right setup then to make that work or is that just okay you just start and then you point and then you click and then you're done or how does that work is it a lot of work yeah that's that's actually a very great point and a great question at the moment so i think today is the 15th of uh 15th of, 15th of april in 2021 just mentioning the dates because you know yeah. you, you never know when someone's listening uh Today, the reality is that that what we're doing is we're we're provisioning an an, an environment in in Dataverse, provisioning an environment in Lifecycle Services LCS for for FN. and the the dual write integration happens by by really applying what are called dual write maps, and those maps are pre-configured by Microsoft. So all we have to do is just pretty much press run and, and do a few lightweight settings and, and make sure the maps run in, in, in the correct order. And pretty much, boom, after that, we have those two platforms and those two applications integrated together as, as a unified application. Uh, but it still does require a bit of work today. It's not overly complex, but you know, it's it, we are talking about maybe, I don't know, Guess depends on what what kind of project you're running. Maybe half a day, maybe a couple of days, maybe a bit more. In the future, I do, you know, based on the, what they've told at Microsoft, is that their, their goal is that that experience would be smoother. So that in the future, when we actually want to fire up project operations, we would only have to really go through sort of like a wizard provisioning wizard or deployment wizard that automatically puts everything in place, you know, fires up those maps and we would have everything up and running. That's that's at least uh, my understanding of the the story and the vision move. So, it really is developing and going forward at a pretty pretty nice pace and 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 those of you who are listening who have 
you know, experience in, in provisioning ethanol environments and, and dataverse environments, there's been a lot happening on that front just in the past, I'd say, six to uh, six to nine months. So that that whole deployment story has had some small changes and changes fairly, you know, fairly rapidly in the past on a rapid cadence in the past nine months. Yeah, I mean, the vision from Microsoft, obviously, or, or at least from my point of view, obviously has to be to simplify stuff, make it work first. And then on and on with these release waves, it will be now it's a little bit easier. Now they've removed that obstacle over there that you manually before had to do. So in the end, I don't know anything about it, but probably, okay, you just point to the environments, you say what you want to do and click it and then off it goes and just does that configuration. And then if you want to change something, then probably you can manually go into the steps that are already there today. Yes. And as as you said, there are a lot of difference because environments in customer engagement sites that's the admin of the power platform and finance operations that's usually from the lifecycle services part and and is that where you sort of configure that today the lifecycle services so that, that that is still at least in my tenant that that is still the place today and the the interesting thing about this is that a few weeks ago, maybe it was about a month ago, mid, mid-March or something, uh, if uh, finance and operations admins actually received an email saying that in the future, uh, power, finance and operations environments can be managed from Power Platform Admin Center. So that really is the direction where we're going. And we can, from kind of from that, everyone can um, kind of pick pick up their, like pick their own brains on, on what could the direction then be. Uh, that is the beginning, really, I think, like the vi- visual first step and beginning of a genuine conversion story. We're actually getting those FNO environments to PPAC so, the, so that everything would be managed from, from, from PPAC, which is the, the Power Platform Admin Center. So there, there's lots of changes, like I said, lots of changes coming pretty rapidly. Uh, but still today, I think if I go to my own, own environment, I'm still not seeing my FNO environments in PPAC. They're, they're still in, managed from LCS. So what areas of functionality do you think are mostly used from your customers? Is it like the product planning? Is the financial times? Are the reporting afterwards? Or what are the parts that you think are the most used? Yeah, th- this is this is also actually a really interesting topic. And, and I think it fundamentally touches every partner who is engaged in either or has an FNO practice or, or a Dataverse slash air quote CRM practice. Uh, my experience is primarily with what used to be project servers. So that like, as you know, C- CRM guy at heart, so that Dataverse side. Uh, so I've never really ventured too far to the world of finance and operations prior to project operation. Uh, and there's really two worlds to this. There's there's that CE side or, or Dataverse side, and then there's that FNO side. And if we look at the partner ecosystem, we have you know partners who have implemented finance and operations and really the old project management and accounting capabilities there who might not know about you know Dataverse and all and at all. And then there's that you know vice versa. We have partners who have implemented Dataverse who have no idea of of FNO. So that's really an interesting convergence 
for partners and, a, and an interesting kind of requirement down the line uh, so that partners are able to really implement the entire application as it's designed by Microsoft. So when we talk about features, I'd say that that kind of the short answer is that there's there's two schools here. There's that FNO only side, and then there's that Dataverse only side. And the, the platform play, the integrated story is so new that it's still, there There aren't really, you know, no, no one no one really has too much experience with that because FNO projects tend to take some time and then the product is nine, nine months old. So no one can have too much experience as, you know, at this point in that integrated story just yet. Uh, so at the moment, I think that it's, it's, it's still either or, and I'm really, really, you know, if some of you who's, who's listening, if you've been in, in an implementation for FNO and, and, and Dataverse integrated, please reach out. I'd, I'd be happy to hear from you, from you and, you know, get some of your experience. Yeah, of course. We're, we're always interested in feedback, right? To, to know more and learn more. That's, that's like an, a given for me. So what would you say are are your projects then based on us? Is it more on that than optimizing resourcing, get the schedule going, get the time reports going? Is that what you've focused on then? Usually, and this is and this is also like an interesting topic to discuss because if we if we ask and, and what I've actually asked is for, from a product team from time to time is is what do they see as the the go-to sort of uh, niches in the applications. And sometimes their answers are a bit different from my experiences, but my experiences are actually primarily about around project financials on the Dataverse side. And and I've, ex- I've done an, a numerous amount of, of proofs of concepts and deployments specifically for Microsoft partners wanting to, you know, leverage existing license and to start using PSA and now project operations. So really that, you know, project financial side is something that I have, uh, my, my experience is primarily based on that. And, and, you know, what what do we mean with project financials on the Dataverse side? With that, we really mean that uh, that delivery process. So when our sales cycle is, we've sold an, a project consulting work, whichever it is. And we want to deliver that. And our consultants are logging time and expense. And maybe we have some, you know, milestones, some fixed price billing. Uh, how those time entries, expense entries, how those become financial data. And financial data being, you know, the cost of that time, the sales price of that. How do we invoice our customer for our you know, for our work, for our work done towards our project? How do we turn that time entry into revenue and put that on a performance? So that's primarily what customers have been more interested in rather than, or as opposed to being, having been interested in that project or resource management. Um, maybe it's because I guess, you know, that, that, that side of financials is in the end, that backbone that needs to be in place. If there's no money flowing in, then optimizing resources or assigning them on task is sort of irrelevant, I guess. So, so get the financials in place as well. If, you know, first learn that process, get your money in your account, and then start playing around with your project plans. Yeah, sort of a top-down approach. Start with the highest one first, and then you go down through the application or sort of the project parts of the application. 
Right. And that's, that's, you know, that's been my experience. And I've, you know, I've, I've heard the other story as well. Some have said that, you know, we're more interested in that project management and, and resource optimization side, you know, which, which is fine. They probably have their time entries in, maybe they have their time entries in a third party system. And th- that part of the business doesn't mean optimization, uh, doesn't need optimizing that much. But, but again, you know, my experience has been in, in really getting those time entries in place, getting that money flowing in the account. Then we have the data sort of in two parts. We have this dual write setup, and then when you write something in one of them, they get written in both. So that's sort of the dual write part of this application. Then yes, exactly. So so dual write is a is a copying technology. So so it's um its purpose is to take data from one system and then copy it to another system. And then how that works in project operations is when we, you know, create that, for example, when we create that financial financial data. So when we approve our time entries, it becomes financial data. Let's say that for a concrete example, one hour of consultancy, 200 euros an hour. We have that as a record in, in Dataverse. It's called an actual uh, how does that become? How, how do we build that? So the way we we do that is is we go through a perform invoicing process in Dataverse, and then that data, that actual, gets picked up and it it moves over to finance and operations, it moves to to a staging table that stages the actual, and we then do what's called uh, a, a integration journal posting. So we post an, a project operations integration journal to get that actual processed for invoicing on the finance and operations. So that data is taken Dataverse and then it's pushed over to finance and operations in this. You know, a simpler example could be, maybe I should have taken the simpler example first, could be, you know, accounts. So I, I have an account and, and that, that account is in, in Dataverse. And as I create it, that account gets created in FNO as well. So it gets, you know, that data gets copied over to FNO and then changes in either of those systems gets reflected in the other system if I so choose. You know, if I set those maps so that the sync is bi-directional, then, then you know, the sync goes both ways. If we move data then, so sort of, okay, we have very old data in sandbox we want to renew it from the production environment but now we have two systems that has to be in sync right so how how does that process work then right so so if we would have our sandbox and our our our, our production we would have the same for you know if we have our sandbox and production for our dataverse we would have our sandbox and our production on the fno side as well and we would have those environments sort of linked together so that our sandbox dataverse would be synced to our uh, sandbox FNO, and then our production dataverse would be synced to our production uh, FNO. And then, uh, you know, if we would be if if we would be putting data or migrating data, putting data into the systems, then that's actually that's actually an interesting topic. But in that in that case we would really need to consider some of the also some of the limitations of dual right and and really have a question whether we and, and question whether we should you know use dual right for migrations because it you know it does have some uh it does have some limitations okay really so it's the, not just going into the like admin side do a full copy of production to dev and then off you go it's more 
complicated now then it's there there's def, definitely more steps than than that so let's say you know if i had um if i had uh 2 million records in my uh let's say I had 2 million records in my sandbox and, you know, our CRM guys were, were in CRM guys and girls and, and, and what CRM people were used to maybe just creating a copy of that environment. Well, don't create a copy of production. I know that, but for the sake of example, um, let's say we create a copy and boom, we have those 2 million records and, you know, in our, our uh, production as well. You know, the question is, should those two million records be synced to FNO? And and what happens to dual write if we try to push those two two million records, you know, uh, uh, across? So there's definitely considerations to be made when it comes to data. Um, ALM, however, is, you know, still data versus ALM remains data versus ALM. So there's really no changes to that. And dual write maps support ALM as well. So dual write is, you know, ALM friendly and in that sense. So that means that it's solution aware. If you make changes to it in dev environment, you can sort of lift that using right. solutions and all of the things that you have in place. So you right. test it one place and then you move it to production once you're done with it. Right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. but in, I mean this, and this it's it's an interesting topic, and actually it's a pretty broad topic, but it's a good example of of now that we you know have these two platform or two different there are different databases, uh, Dataverse and, and FNO. How does that ALM work? So it, it does get more complicated than you know just pushing our solutions through our pipeline from Azure DevOps to Dataverse. There's definitely more things to take into consideration here. And then you have to take that into consideration as well when you want to automate things. If you want to build a cloud for for something, then you want to consider, okay, do we want to change it on one side and then have dual write take it over? Or do we want to change it on the other side and have dual write work it with the other way? So that probably has to come in as well, right? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for for sure, yeah, and and Cloudflow's is a good example of 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 I'd say added responsibility to the maker in integrated scenarios. So when we do have those two systems, we have Dataverse and then we have FNO, and they are integrated together with Dual Write. It naturally brings more responsibility to maker, you know, Cloudflow makers. What's the connection that you should connect to with your Cloudflow? So what's the, where does, where should the data, you know, where should the data reside? What is synced and what is not synced? Cause not, you know, you're not, we're not syncing everything, right? It, it doesn't, we don't have to copy everything across all, all the time. So maybe some data just resides in Dataverse and some data resides in FNO and that's, that's it. Uh, so, a greater level of awareness is definitely required of Cloudflow makers and, you know, Canvas app makers to that, that extent as well. Yeah, because perhaps someone is master for something and the dual write just works one way. Perhaps product is like, okay, they come from finance and operations side and brought into in brought into like the dataverse part, and then you can't actually change them there because then the master flow doesn't really work, right? Things right, like that. Right. So lots of definitely lots of more um, lots of more planning and considerations in today's platform than 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 what was required some years back. 
And no, I think virtual entities, virtual entities being a proxying technology, they, you know, in that sense, they can help, but they might not help the situation in, in the sense that, you know, if you're having those in play as well, then I, I guess you, you know, you really need to know what you're putting where. Yeah. So do you prefer having just to write or do you prefer mixing it with virtual entities in some parts? I think virtual entities are are definitely a valid scenario for uh, a valid approach for scenarios where we don't need to copy data. And and I I still, you know, my approach is my first question always is, do we really need to copy data from place A to place B? You know, does does it need to go across or could we just leverage virtual entities to display that data in another system instead of copying it at all so i mean personally my approach would be always to not copy it if it's not absolutely necessary and just visualize it with your entities uh but you know different different schools of of of, of thought here and different approaches for sure these are really interesting in the sense that that and i've not played around for these for about six months so they they must have evolved in in the past six months but when virtual entities become genuinely aware for create and update and delete operations with, you know, programmatic updates, then, you know, the, the, the game gets really interested. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if we have, let's say we have a virtual entity, we have a custom, I don't know if they call it tables or entities in FNO, let's, let's call them tables for, for, you know, homogenous terminology. Uh, if we have a custom table in FNO and we use virtual entities to display that information in Dataverse, it gets really interesting when we can use something like a Cloudflow to create, update, or delete directly to Dataverse and then have that propagated in FNO directly so that we don't need to take, you know, establish a connection to that FNO side, but actually just work in, in Dataverse. Uh, so there's def- definitely lots of lots of more moving parts with, with I'd say, with VEs. Uh, but I'd also say there's really fascinating opportunities down the line as they evolve so virtual entities that should probably be virtual tables now then with the new t- yeah virtual <laughs> virtual tables yeah I, I think they're i think they changed the docs article the virtual virtual entity uh virtual tables and then uh, virtual tables and then entities in parentheses so yeah so uh, it's uh yeah it's... vts they should be vt virtual tables vts not ves yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, so that can be re- used now, and we're not sure when we talk about it here if they support create, update, deletes, or just reads today. Reads definitely they do support; otherwise, they wouldn't exist. But create, update, and deletes, we're n- you're not sure, and I don't know either, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like I said. It's been about six months since I last played with V uh, VTs, uh, so I don't know if they've evolved past that. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll check after this podcast to get back up to speed with them. How does is this license then? The, the yeah. So the, operations. The, how is this license? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was I was thinking how 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 do how do we license virtual tables and <laughs> do do all right amidst no, of perhaps, all this perhaps just and, and... operations then. That's <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and to be honest i don't think anyone here i've not heard any any um definite definite 
write answers about licensing of virtual tables and dual write with API calls. It seems like no one knows how that actually works. Uh, so project operations is based on, it, it is actually a finance and operations skew these days. So it's, it's, it's officially moved from that customer engagement side to finance and operations. And it really has that same licensing model as air quotes, you know, CRM or, or customer engagement applications do. So we have a base license, uh, a, a base license and an attached license. So we license them. Uh, we license users by giving them a, either a base or an attach. Uh, and I was actually trying to trying to explain licensing without using any diagrams today on a on, on a pre-sales call and realized that I should always have a diagram for this. In in this case, it's not that straightforward as you'd think. Cause you know what if you what if you need uh, some core Dynamics 365 finance capabilities? What if you need a general ledger? And if you think about it, you know, every company needs a general ledger, right? I, I don't know of a I'm not a financial consultant and I'm not trying to be but I don't know a single company that wouldn't need a general, you know, wouldn't yeah. need to use general ledgers. So in that case, we're actually not just talking about project operations anymore, but we're talking about Dynamics 365 finances. So the consideration should always be on those core finance capabilities. And I would say that at least Greenfield projects would usually start with, with an implementation of Dynamics 365 finance first, then moving over to project operations for that you know, professional and project-centric work. So when it comes to licensing, we have to consider who is going to need those core finance capabilities and, and maybe give them a base license from finance and then attach an attached license from project operations. Uh, but if I'm just a, let's say I'm just an account manager or I'm a project manager who just manages projects and that's it, then I'd be fine with a project operations license because as as an account manager, I would be running my leads opportunities and quotes and whatnot and selling my project-based sales. I'd be fine with a project operations license. I wouldn't really, maybe I wouldn't need, you know, that Dynamics 365 sales license at all because project operations covers that sales pipeline aspect as well. And and then as a project manager, you know, I would need that that project operations base license as well. And that base license is about $130, I think is the you know list price for the for the base license. So um, I think it's 120 today. I just checked it up. So the okay, project yeah. operations 120 per user per month then. Yeah, you're actually right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's 100 and uh, 120. Uh the finance part is a bit finance is a bit more expensive. Uh so then, you know, if, So that would be 180 US dollars per user per month then. Right. Sounds, yeah. sounds about sounds about right from, from memory. Yeah. So, you know, then if, if we've kind of covered a few different roles, a a uh, an accountant and an account manager and a project manager. Well, what if, you know, I, I'm a, let's say I'm a consultant and all I do is I log time and expense. I don't need anything else. I just log my time entries and my expense entries from a licensing point of view. I'd only need a team member license for that. Right. So I wouldn't need that expensive license anymore. I could just use a team member license to submit my time and expense. So that's a good thing that they, you know, do have that team member concept uh, th- thought of. Yeah, the, because that's a lot cheaper because that starts at like eight US dollars right. per user per month, right? Right. So from 120 down to eight, that's a lot of difference. So consider user roles. 
Exactly. And if we think of, you know, organizations where, where let's, if if we think of an organization that's, that's, let's say they have 200 uh, people working, working in the organization, and maybe they have, you know, 30 project managers or or 40 or 50 project managers, and they have 150 consultants, and those consultants never do PM work, they just, you know, they just consult. it's it's has definitely has a huge licensing impact if those 150 people only need a team member as opposed to that full license that may be the project manager and and really like the 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 only thing that i i do want to mention since we're talking about licensing is and this is like there's been a lot of feedback around this and i think it's it's one of the uh most upvoted ideas on ideas or experience microsoft.com for project operations uh and and that's the uh, CE or now we should call that a dataverse only SKU. So, so what one of the sort of uh, in 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 my opinion gaps that we have in licensing is the fact that when we buy a project operations license, you always get that you you can always get that finance you always get that finance and operations with it, right? I mean, you, you don't have to deploy it, but when you buy a project ops license, a minimum of twenty, you get F and O. That's not of reality for every single company. Actually, it's not, I, I, from what I've seen, it's not the reality for the majority of companies. They might actually be interested in, you know, only running FNO or only running Dataverse, like equivalent to how it was before. So a Dataverse only SKU is something that seems to be, there seems to be a lot of ask for that based on ideas and based on feedback that I hear. And that's that's really something that I'm hoping that you know business planning at Microsoft will pick up and create that C or that dataverse only SKU for organizations that just want to run that dataverse side of projects. Yeah, and based on what you said earlier about that, you have sort of a a preference when you come to this finance only or the dataverse only. That would be a good thing. Yeah, from what you have said here, for sure. Uh, yeah, so where do I go if I want to know more? There, there's uh, actually a a course on Microsoft Learn. So, is it uh, docs.com/learn has a has a short course on project operations. So, that's actually not a bad place to get started with the very basics of of, of project ops. And and I think the new uh, fundamentals exam. I forget which one it is. It's one of those. I'm not sure if it's actually still named beta. Uh, but one of the new fundamentals ex- exams has a lot of questions on project operations. So learn is a good place to get started with with some of the basics. And, you know, naturally have to take this opportunity to do a, a bit of self-promotion. Um, I am in the process of creating a introduction to Dynamics 365 project operations that will be available on 365.training for free. So I- I'm-, I'm planning on launching that uh, hopefully in the let's say in the next one or two months, so before the summer, so so that could be an opportunity to you know to to go through that and watch that. It's about one and a half hours of content uh, for for really like the basics of projects. So that was three sixty five dot training. Yes, three sixty five. Nice new top domain. I haven't heard about the dot training before, so that's a good one. Yeah. So so without you know not uh, without going deep dive into it it's a few 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 words 365.training has a lot of free content for the community so it's really 
you know, it is community focused. There is some paid courses there as well, but it has a lot of free content that that community that the community can get their hands on. And it's run by really, you know, fabulous people like the, Dave and Julie Yak, Derek Borman, George Stabinski. Uh, there is a lot of co-authors there. I, I probably forgot to to mention someone. Sorry for that. So, so a lot of world class BizApps MVPs are behind a lot of that content there. So definitely, you know, ch- check that out for some diamond-free content. Yeah, I will be sure to add that to the show notes so everyone can find it easily because that's a really good one. So do you have any public speaking scheduled? Where we where can we see you next? Yeah, so I'm I think the next thing that I'm doing is is a user group meeting in the UK and it would be on the 22nd of uh april i think you know maybe uh maybe that's uh, maybe that's already in the past when this comes out yeah Um, i'm early now so this is scheduled to be in the middle of may so yeah yeah i'm i bet you were good i bet you were great actually (laughs) (laughs) let's let's hope so uh i i i hope so i'm talking about graph api and you know stuff that's just sort of uh, that's that's not my like top area of expertise, but my new area that I've, I've ventured into. So it's always an interesting thing to talk about something else than projects. Um, it's a good thing I, to learn about it, right? Then you schedule it, something and then like, damn, it got picked. Yeah, and now you yeah, actually have to learn about it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I, I think beyond that, there is a there is an event in the Netherlands in May However, I am not entirely sure of the date, so I will... If you have a link, uh, send it to me, and I will yeah. be sure to add it to the show notes so people can see more of you, of course. And, and, and one thing... Oh, yeah, actually, you know, I was going to say, let's let's uh, uh, come to my session in Embass, but I, I think that's actually something we can't promote just yet because it's, it's not released the schedule. So I almost broke NDA there. <laughs> yeah, Embass. Uh, uh, so uh, Microsoft Business Application Summit. So that's in the 6th of May. Uh, so that has been already you're good yeah yeah uh, and then of course you have your day-to-day dynamics365.com yep that's that's the place for that's the place for a lot of project operations articles so if you need any information on you know psa and project operations uh i have a fair amount of blog posts probably about i don't know 70 75 at least from the past three or so years yeah Thank you for your participation in CM Rocks, Antipoyanen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a huge pleasure. No, sorry, Antipoyanen. Ah, mispronounce your name. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries. Like I said, the burden of pronouncing my name correctly is on me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, and thank you to your listening. And don't forget that you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Just search for it in your favorite podcast player, and you will find it right there. See you next time on CM Rocks.